0: Dun dun dun. All right, now let me stop capping. But welcome to another episode of A Sip of Crime, guys. Today's episode is going to be a little deep. So before we get really deep into it, you know, my partner in crime is always with me. No wheezy, it ain't sleazy being cheesy. Waka waka. Waka waka.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but you know me, I'm Mac. Um, but today's story, man, we're going to be talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. Nah, I'm just playing. <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> oh, nah, <wait. laughs> How the Celtics annihilated the Milwaukee Bucks. No, I'm just joking around. But now we are talking about somebody from the Milwaukee area. Yeah. And before we really get into it, you know, disclaimer for the whole podcast.
1: This might be the biggest disclaimer we have in any podcast that we've ever done.
0: Yeah. This one is really close to the Night Stalker. Like when I say close, yeah. I mean really close, if not exceeding the it's Night Stalker. Yeah. You mean
1: it, it could be. Uh, what do you call that?
0: Vivid, vivid. Let's just say, man, we're gonna paint some pictures for you guys that you just by listening to this, you're gonna be like, "What the fuck?" You're gonna need to desensitize, desensitize mm-hmm. your brain with some Clorox. Yeah, make
1: sure you guys are like walking or being outside when you hear this. Make sure about. light out. <laughs> make sure there's light out. Yeah, make sure you maybe like eating something kind of nice. You know, happy. eat an orange. Eat an orange. Eat, an orange. eat, an orange. eat an orange. I got fruit, you're like a good yeah, fruit. A good you know, you're biting fruit. into an apple. <laughs> yeah, because
0: this this will fuck you up a little bit. I feel it. Uh But with that being said. We are talking about none other than Jeffrey Dahmer, Ooh. a.k.a. the Milwaukee Cannibal. The Milwaukee Bomber.
1: Jeffrey Dahmer, the Milwaukee Bomber. See what I did
0: there? Yeah, he went a little far with it because he didn't right. bomb nobody, but just, I, I'll take it because yeah. he bombed a lot of a community. He no. bombed the community in yeah, a way. He did. He in a way. So, lives. I guess it works. It works. All
1: right. So, yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer, let's get into some of the background. He was born... May 21st, 1960. I feel like we do everyone like when their birthday's coming up for some reason. So, like, he's a Taurus. Um, he's born. That's, that's
0: a, usually a coincidence, though.
1: It is. Uh, but there's been a few times where, like, I'll say the date and I'll just look at the calendar real quick and I'm like, oh shit, that's like yeah, a couple like, weeks away. Right there. <laughs>
0: anyway, but I didn't even notice that.
1: Yeah, so he was born May 21st in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, his parents were Lionel and Joyce. And Joyce was a hypochondriac, which is basically like uh, an avid, avid warrior. I think a lot of people think they worry a lot, Mm -hmm. but like to actually be diagnosed with a hypochondriac, you actually like worry a shit ton, like way more than the most people. And the dad was um, away at school a lot of the time because he was studying to be a chemist. Right. So by the time, when he was really young, Jeffrey Dahmer was really young, the dad was away at school a lot. Um, Jeffrey had a double hernia soldier. Ugh. Jeffrey had a double hernia surgery mm-hmm. when he was four years old. Um, he I thought that was kind of interesting to throw in there. But as a kid going through elementary school, kid just the teachers kind of just called him quiet. He was timid, but he was always came off as like smart and well spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1966, the family moved from Milwaukee to Ohio. Jeff chose, um, or Jeff, I actually got to. I found this is another weird story too. He had a younger brother, and as his brother was being born, the parents let Jeffrey decide what that brother's name name was going to be,
0: be, and he chose David. David, isn't that kind of weird? Sounds like a Ted Kaczynski thing, because Ted Kaczynski's brother's name was David too. Mm. David Kaczynski. But would
1: you, as a parent, let your child name your other child? It's kind of interesting. I think it
0: was common in that time. Maybe. When, like, Chuck Kaczynski named his brother oh. David. That is weird, though. So, I, I, I wouldn't.
1: Because what if they chose something like Blue? Like, you know, whiny. like. Barney. Like, <laughs> <we're a> Barney <laughs> or some shit. You know what I mean? Big Bird. Like, <laughs> whatever. Case. Cocoa Melon. <laughs> yeah. So something. Whatever, whatever they were they're watching. watching the yeah. That'd be interesting. But I, that was an
0: interesting name, though. He picked David. He picked David. Yeah.
1: Also, around this time, when his younger brother was born, this is when the addiction to. Dead animals becomes prevalent in Jeffrey, Um, similar to the last story that we did in um, Gerald Parker. Mm -hmm. A lot of this stuff that we know about Jeffrey Dahmer's background is all told through him. So Mm -hmm. he still remembers. He confessed a lot of his crimes and he confessed a lot of his childhood. So he became uh, obsessed with dead animals. He would like to dig up by the house they lived in when they moved to Ohio. They lived in like a wooded area. Right. So he would scavenge around. See a dead animal. Sometimes he would dig up in the dirt and find other dead animals. And he liked playing with the bones. Like he would, you know, skin an animal and Mm -hmm. then just kind of mess around with the bones. Sometimes re digging them up, sometimes mashing them together. That's the first red flag in this man's (laughs) life. And he's not even like seven years old when he's doing this.
0: Right. And one of the things that um, psychiatrists have said, like, there are, there's this thing called a McDonald's, it's not the McDonald's, like we, we people who love McDonald's, that's not, not the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's McDonald's, basically, like, there's three things they look for, right? Animal mutilation is one of them. Yeah. So, the fact that that's coming up, like, big red flag.
1: Big red flag. Big red flag. The size of, I, I don't know, They're just the biggest size of flag you can
0: Man, wear. I swear, like, it's like a, a country-sized flag. Yeah. Pretty
1: much. I I agree. Yeah. So in 1968, they moved to a smaller town in Ohio. Um, at this point, his dad was teaching his son how to use formaldehyde mm-hmm. to kind of preserve animals' bodies. So he was collecting the, squir- the skeleton of squirrels and other like chipmunks and small mammals that he would find in the woodland area. And then preserved them in formaldehyde. So now he's getting full on into this chemist action. Um, in 1975... Oh, go ahead.
0: But um, in 1968, go too, ahead, around ahead. that time, his dad assumed, well, allegedly said that Jeffrey was sexually violated by one of the neighbors around that time. There was no there was no proof of it or anything, but that's what was said. Mm. And I think that's what led him to a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about, too. Because a Because that's number
1: two. That makes sense why he and did what he did. Yeah. Theory, right. right?
0: Because number one, animals, number two, any type of someone you trusted violated you. Yeah. Okay? So go ahead, the 70s. Yeah, in the
1: 1975, there was one incident that um, I believe his friend confessed that he did. So in 1975, he brought a friend over to his parents' place. And, you know, he's, he's, he's only like a teenager at this point. But he basically, he found a dead dog, decapitated the dog. Nailed the dog to a tree. Sorry a total disclaimer that this is very graphic And then he put the head of the dog on a stick
0: bones and all
1: yes, and he You know proceeded to show his friend all this and he said that he found it mm-hmm. like that Like he mm-hmm. walked into this area and it was already there But he actually did that himself and later disclosed that to his friend and the friend, you know disclosed that to the internet But I thought that's I mean Red flag number three. Ding, ding, ding. But that like,
0: dog went missing a while ago. Yeah. At, at that point. And then the neighborhood, like, it was a, if, if you know certain small areas, like, mm-hmm. a lot of families, they know each other. Everybody knows each other. Right. Right? So, when that dog went missing, and they had posters and everything for that dog, and for him to know what happened to that dog, he, he had killed it, like, that's all bad. F- fuck a red flag. That dude deserves his, like, he deserves, like, an alarm. He deserves an alarm whenever he walks by something.
1: He needs he a red flag tattooed on his tattooed
0: on his forehead. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> just like, hey, everybody knows he's a red flag.
0: Big ass red flag.
1: So, again, in the mid seventies, as I mentioned earlier, um, Lionel now the dad is now working as a um, scientist already. He finished his degree, and he thought his son was gonna head down that route that path, too. Right. So he didn't even think twice about, you know, teaching his son about preserving bones. And just teaching him how to um, basically excavate, you know, like basically skin an animal, mm-hmm. um, how to preserve different things, basically teaching him the science of it, science of thinking it, right? that yeah. his son's probably going to follow the, in the same footsteps. And I can think where, you know, if he didn't know about these other things, I can see where he's like the innocent right. mind. It's like, oh, I'm a scientist. My son, he has a scientist itch to him. He's already like messing around with these animals that he's finding. But uh, no, not what he thought at all. Right.
0: And it's just one of those things. Like you never know what you don't know, right? Because like, it's, I mean, for me, if I, I as a parent, I know that time was different. I get it. But for me, as a parent, if I see my child like being interested in like the mutilation of animals, that's a, if you're if you're trying to help animals, okay. Then I say, oh, you want to be like a, a veterinarian? Mm-hmm. Cool. But if I see you like you're more in and peak. In tune with the mutilations, preservance of bones and certain things. Then to me, like, all right, like I gotta see, I gotta watch you closely, yeah, to see how you move, right? Because if I don't, if I don't watch how you move, and you go and you do something that's potentially harmful to, let's say, like, his curiosity goes beyond the animal, right? Because it did at one point. He wasn't. He was supposedly. I don't want to say it was true, but I don't know the story. I don't know him. I, don't, I wasn't around in that time. But he was supposedly in love with a jogger that would always jog around his general area. Mm-hmm. And he'd be watching it. One day he waited for that jogger with a baseball bat.
1: Yeah, he fantasized about
0: killing everything. him and scanning him. So, you know, like, those are certain things Like you got to look for. You got to watch your kids. When you know they're, they're into specific little things, that grows into something else at some point.
1: Hell, yeah.
0: You know, like people, if their love, I'm going to use sports, right? Their love for sports become like a passion. You help push and develop Mm -hmm. that love, right? Because you're like, okay, I'm watching you. I see how you move. I see what you like about specific things. How can I build that? Mm -hmm. But eventually it grows bigger than what you started as, Mm -hmm. right? So he's starting with animals. At some point it's going to grow into something else. Yeah. That's just my personal opinion. So around the teens...
1: Eventually, Jeffrey goes to high school. He goes to Brevere High School in that that Ohio area, and right away, um, there's accounts of him drinking beer. He's sneaking beer into the high school in his jacket, and he's you know either drinking in the restroom or just other places where teachers and other students can't see him. So right away, he picks up the ha- the habit of alcoholism, and um, you know he did play tennis uh, a couple grades. He had average grades from what a lot of people counted from his high school. He was polite. He was quiet, and uh, but for the most part, as I said earlier, and like I said in elementary school, when you would talk to him, the teachers would talk to him, they always thought he was a smart kid, mm-hmm. just quiet, reserved, etc. And then later on in high school, I think it was as a junior, 16 years old, um, he discovered that he was gay. Mm-hmm. So that was that's another I mean not a red flag or anything, but just it's a churning point and I think it mm, probably lets them think of the world differently.
0: Right in that time for especially nowadays yeah. it's still hard for people to look at gay people as normal yes. people in society right right and they, they see them as contaminated they see them as a virus right right Whereas like they're just people trying to live their lives yeah right But back then though, if you came out as gay like you remember they were back 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 in the day like if you came out as gay, People would see, oh, no, they would kill you or beat you, beat yeah, you straight. Yeah, they would hunt that's you down. That's the term, right? They're racial, sl- not beat racial. Beat you straight. Yeah. In Texas, especially in Texas, that's a, that was a no-no. Yeah. A faux pas. Um, and, and and speaking in French. Um,
1: But I think in a lot of those Midwest cities, and especially like the South, right here, we're in Ohio, so it's like the Midwest. You know, they're very, it's a small town community, you know, they're very anti that. I mean, I think, uh, I don't know if you've watched Euphoria, mm-hmm. but... They talk about, in one of the episodes, Nate's dad, Cal. He was like... I think he kind of... They, they show like a flashback and it looks like he was had a f- best friend that he was kind of like gay for. And he never really got to express that love. And then he eventually got a girl pregnant. He had to live this life as a straight man and he was always conflicted. Right. And that's why he did some of the things he did as a parent, um, as an adult, because he never really got to express his gayness. His and I think that's the... Plight of a lot of people in the '70s and '80s that weren't, especially you know, unless you moved to San Francisco, unless you moved to LA, New York, these big like hub mm-hmm. centers where they're super accepting of a lot of different types of people, mm-hmm. you were really like you know you had to keep that keep that shit closeted, and you felt a certain way. You almost felt bad to be yourself because mm-hmm. people didn't accept gays for who they were.
0: And I think that that was the turning point for him to where like he started making friends, but the wrong kind of friends, right? To where like he was abusing alcohol and also being a disruption in class in school like he'd be walking in the hallways Uh, there was a term that they used but like he'd start pretending like he's having a seizure Mm -hmm. and start acting out and being stupid yeah like that that's what he did like that was his way of that was prank. fitting yeah fitting
1: it he was like a prankster in that sense that he would do that those things
0: he was such a prankster to the point where he got himself invited to the white house that's how. That's how big of a you gotta be a big ass prankster. You be funny as shit. Funny as shit yeah. to get invited to the fucking White House to be trick to trick the Secret Service to let you in. Right. But that's just my opinion. Yeah.
1: So the next year in, in 1977, his parents did get a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because the uh, mom was worrying so much, the dad was losing connection with her. So
0: mom was also a schizo.
1: Yes, the mom had a lot of mental stuff going on. That kind of tap into we kind of maybe brushed over it a little bit but she had a lot going on internally and the dad especially in the early stages before he hits like high school and teen years Mm -hmm. he was pretty absent just because he was committed to that grind of going to school getting his chemistry degree and now getting into that work field but um yeah the mom had a lot going on internally so they get divorced in 77 and in 78 he does graduate high school though
0: yep he graduates high school and what does he do he joins the military. No, nah, let's, let's, let's backtrack. Oh, back just a oh, few shit, steps.
1: Yeah. I jumped the gun. My bad.
0: A few steps. So he graduates high <laughs> school June 4th. Uh, and then on June 18th, not even 14, well, just 14 days in, he picks up a hitchhiker. Because he was drunk. He was drinking yeah. beers. He was driving. And he picks up a hitchhiker named Mark Hicks. And then they went back to that. he was like, hey, how you doing, man? What you up to? I see you hitchhiking. You want to go back to my house and drink with me? Yeah. And smoke some weed? Get some beers? Yeah. The guy was like, fuck yeah. hmm They go back to his house. Different times. They start drinking, and they start smoking. They're just chilling. And then Jeffrey finally acts on his sexuality, right? He's like, hey, I'm attracted to you, whatever. And Hicks rejects him and... I don't know if he saw red or fuse turn in him. Like he just wanted to, I don't know. But he fucked him up. Yeah, he beat him, up. sodomized him, and then buried him in the back in his backyard. He had a huge backyard, by the way. That was was way in the woods. He lived in close to wooded area.
1: Yeah. So and he didn't just murder him. And, and it says here that he like dissected him mm-hmm. and that he crushed his bones into little pieces and then spread them out throughout the yard. So you couldn't... You know, I'm sure if, like, we look at, like, bones in our body, the femur and the tibia, those mm-hmm. are two big leg bones, I'm sure he, like, crushed them up to where you couldn't find just one. You're finding little pieces here and there. And, um, yeah, that's the first first crying that we see
0: of... That's the third red flag. Yeah, third big the, red flag.
1: I think now he's just... He, like... He is the red flag. He's a like, spokesperson for red flag. I didn't flags. even know. Yeah, exactly. If you look up red flag in the dictionary, Jeffrey it's Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> right. Um, one thing I wanted to mention too before, it was around the time he graduated high school. Because his parents got divorced, the mom and David moved back to Wisconsin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the dad actually, um, at the time, moved to like a motel closer to where he worked. So there was like a good like three to four months stretch. Where Jeffrey was living on his own before the grandma mm-hmm. moved in with him at that place. But yeah, his, his mom and brother went to Wisconsin. His dad was away, so he had that place to himself.
0: And then dad remarried in, in December. Yeah, December Christmas Eve.
1: Quick man. Yeah, like not that's even a year. Yeah, not even a year. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe like,
0: maybe he was cheating.
1: Eh, I think it was a different time. Like, you probably I, like I, uh, you felt, especially in a small town. You're like you feel lonelier. You probably felt like you needed a woman. You know. I mean, or a partner
0: it wasn't that bad if it was in the 20s you yeah. know with, with the when we did bonnie and Clyde, yeah. we talked about like uh, you do you know the economy being as bad as it was mm-hmm. and people were marrying just because mm-hmm. stuff like that that makes sense but bro this is a year later so that means you must have had that person in your back pocket
1: yeah he was definitely having some thoughts i would, I would say that he's definitely has some evil thoughts with her
0: I mean judge mom maybe somebody in school I don't know it doesn't say who he married but maybe he maybe somebody he met in school mm-hmm. and then they had the same connection they, they wanted the same things in life so maybe they connected through it that way that way
1: yeah so. so that next fall Jeffrey does enroll in Ohio State University. He does go there for one semester but he doesn't um, do well in any of his classes because he's continuously drinking and his alcohol abuse picks up. And that's Mm -hmm. one thing about that, you know, addiction is it just constantly gets stronger and stronger. Your tolerance gets higher and higher. So you need more and more to get you to the level where you were once at. Um, His dad really pushed for him to go to Ohio State. That was like his thing, especially his dad with that chemistry background. But in the ensuing year in January to uh, 1979, he did enlist into the U.S. Army.
0: Yes. He went to the Army thinking that was going to help him, Mm -hmm. you know, forget about his sexuality. Right, A lot of people, like, they go and find something else to see if it will help alleviate some of that tension that they're going through, right? Because, like, it's, again, different time. You go in the army, you have a a cause, you have something to fight for, so then you won't feel like you're as, in in lack of a better term, as gay. Right. Right? You just feel like, all right, I'm just a part of a team, and I just get to focus on that team and make sure I got their backs. Right. Right? But... (laughs) that didn't pan out
1: no two years later he was honestly honorably discharged um and this is what i think is fucked up because he was drinking in the military Mm -hmm. and he lived a lifestyle that was very um like addict behavior if you lived with an addict or know anybody that's an addict you kind of get an idea of what he's like but instead of the army there was something that i read where it was like instead of the army discharging him for addiction problems mm-hmm. and then he would be sentenced or not sentenced but per se recommended doctors to help him with this uh, addiction and the behaviors that he's distributing no they actually just gave him an honorable discharge meaning he's free to go there's no nothing on his record no record of him drinking or doing all these things that he was getting busted for in the army so he just comes out to be a regular citizen and instead of going back home to Ohio hey, he went to decides, my home state Miami, Florida everything mm-hmm. and everything can go down
0: Anything could happen in Anything.
1: And uh, I think this is kind of cool. You know, he did work at a sandwich shop for a cool minute. And yeah, he did work at a sandwich shop for a cool minute, but he spent all his money on alcohol. He was laid on rent a few times. He got bounced out of the motels that he was staying at. So it wasn't a, a good experiment. And the next year in 81, he was arrested for mm-hmm. drunk and disorderly contact, conduct. And he spent 10 days in jail. And after that he was sent to live with his grandma in Wisconsin.
0: Yeah. He was arrested again in eighty two for disorderly conduct. He dropped his pants in public <laughs> because he wanted to uh he wanted some affection.
1: And not just anywhere, Mac. <laughs> this is the Wisconsin State Fair.
0: He wanted some attention. Like A state fuck? fair, bro. What kinda of attention do you want at a state fair dropping your pants, bro? Bruh. There's a bunch of kids there.
1: I can only imagine, too. I mean, we've been to, like, county fairs yeah. around here. You know, Orange County, L.A. Yeah. County has big fairs. The OC Fair. I can only imagine guys, how big a state fair is. You know, even if it is the 70s, right, there's not as many people. But there's still, you know, in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. You got to think, people come from probably different parts of the right, state. Right, Chicago's right there. Yeah.
0: And Minnesota, too. Minnesota's right there. So Michigan. Michigan. So people could can probably get people out of state. Right. And you're just getting it's like them a, a two-hour drive for
1: people. them. Yeah. Damn. Damn. That's, that's all bad. At a state fair, man. What you doing? Put your pants on.
0: Put your, put your damn pants up. <laughs> the fuck. But yeah, he goes and lives with grandma, and as he moves to gra- to gra- move go live with grandma in Wisconsin, that's when he starts figuring it out. Right, he figures out how to go about being the person that he's meant to be, which is allowing his sexuality and exploring. Options start going to gay clubs, Mm -hmm. start going to gay bars, yeah, and start figuring it out how to approach people without looking desperate. That's the term, right? Because, like, he didn't want to seem like he was openly gay, he was trying to seem like I'm trying to figure it out, yeah. But then, like, people were like, there there were some people who said, Oh, he was cute, he was quiet, he was never disrespectful, never disruptive, but their, their friends started disappearing.
1: Mm -mm. slowly but surely. And that's, you know, I think that's one thing that we see in common with a lot of serial killers is their ability to kind of turn on a switch and be publicly accepted, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it is polite, whether it is friendly, whether it is non-invasive or not intruding. Um, and, And not to say every quiet person or every timid person that you know is... Potentially a serial killer, but it's just something that kind of I feel like is common in a lot of serial killers. Is that they can right. blend in society, especially if they don't know them. Uh, they can blend into a new crowd really well.
0: And then now we go into the deep, deep, deep despair that is Jeffrey Dahmer. Tell me, tell
1: me, lay it on me, man. Lay <sighs> it on me, folks. This is gonna need, like I said, all the disclaimers that you could have ever. Ever, ever needed.
0: All right. So in night in Dece- September fifteenth, nineteen eighty seven, uh, the murder of Stephen W. Tuami, age twenty four. That's what that was supposedly Jeffrey Dahmer's first victim, right? Mm-hmm. He found him at a bar. He thought he was cute, and he was like, "Hey man, how you doing? I think you're cute? We should go back to my house and have a nightcap." Mm-hmm. Normally, people hear nightcap, they're thinking like, "All right, we're gonna have some coffee, maybe some more alcohol, whatever the case is." And he had other plans. He drugged him. Mm-hmm. And then, so, uh, again, disclaimer again, Jeffrey had a psychological mind to the point where he wanted, like, what he wanted was, he wanted a, a partner, but he didn't want somebody that could talk back.
1: Yeah, I, I read, too, that he thought of people, like, he stated himself, he thought of people as objects. Right. But not really as People. People. Right. and that's really huge i don't know what happened in his past that caused him to think like that maybe as you said earlier that he was potentially uh um, you know touched or abused by a, right. um, a neighbor but he was legit like you know he was very pro just like i'm gonna use this person as an object and not as a person not
0: as a person yeah. Right. so then that happens and then Nine years passed between the first and second murder. So, and then we go into 1988. We get James Dex. I'm going to butcher his name. I apologize. James Doxtator, a 14-year-old. And Jeffrey offered him money and posed, have him pose for nude photos. And then he killed him. It's tough. So, then we move into March, right? This is like what? A two-month span, 25 months span. March 24th, and he gets Richard Guerrero, 25, came back to Dahmer's grandmother's house, right? Mm. And they had sex, took nude photos again, and then Jeffrey drugged them and killed them and strangled them.
1: So he really liked, I mean, we're kind of catching a trend early on. Taking photos of the victim was one, but also he... um was really big on that mid twenty year old, you know, the victims. And the, the age mm-hmm. group is pretty similar.
0: And then at one point, since there was a, the cops were, you know, investigating. So he went into a a, a store and stole a mannequin.
1: Hmm. Just because. What is that mannequin for?
0: Bro, he had sex with the fucking mannequin. He fucking s-
1: sex with the mannequin.
0: Because the mannequin, remember, he doesn't see people. He doesn't value people. And because the mannequin does not talk back. He felt like it was the best, as close to real as it could get.
1: You know he would, what if he would have benefited from? It's probably a sex doll.
0: They didn't exist
1: back then. Right, but it, I'm just saying in theory, like if they did, you know, that'd be that probably a, would that'd have, be a great gift for Dahmer.
0: That probably would have slowed down his sex drive. Oh, yeah. He's but probably into that balloon. A little, <laughs> some things are a little behind on time. Correct. And then in September, so now we go from March to September. Right. That's a five month span. And then he had Dahmer moved into his own place. That's when he moved into his apartment. And this is when shit goes awry. Right. This is where he. uh, He gets a 13 year old to pose for nude pictures and drugged him, fondled him. The boy escaped. Dahmer was arrested. But because. There was, the boy said that, he claimed that he was the boy, the boy's boyfriend, the boy's boyfriend. They let him go.
1: They let him go.
0: They let him go.
1: Another missed opportunity to catch a serial killer before he does the
0: things that he does. But during that time, he had a a, a number of, I think, 35 victims. 35 victims. During that time. During that time, frame.
1: 35, 3-5 folks, just to make that clear, very unsafe times,
0: <sighs> and then we move on to 89, Jeffrey was convicted for second degree assault and endangering a child of immoral purposes, that's a term that sticks to me, immoral purposes, just call him a fucking pedophile and leave it alone, yeah, immoral purposes, like that can mean anything. Right? That could mean I went and I took your wallet and I gave you your wallet back, but I took all your money in it. That's immoral purposes.
1: That's a bullshit term.
0: That's sorry. immoral purposes. I'm sorry, that's yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. And then uh in March twenty fifth of nineteen eighty nine, uh Anthony Sears, twenty-four, was last seen alive with Jeffrey Dahmer. Again, mm. same path, same uh what's the term I'm looking for type of victim same type of victim but also same trend same trend yeah, there you go yeah. same trend He's he, trend. Fun- he brought her back to the house offered drinks poisoned or drugged and then raped killed sodomized decapitated fuck and then we go to 1990s I was born in 1990 guys <laughs> I was alive for, for a little bit of this shit yeah. I it's bullshit. So 1990, March 29, 1990, Rick, Rick, Ricky uh, Beaks, 33, was last seen alive with Jeffrey Dahmer. No. <laughs> June 1990, Edward W. Smith was last seen with, guess who? Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> and then September, Ernest Miller, 24, last seen alive with, guess who? Jeffrey Dahmer. Bro. Like, this motherfucker was not playing. And then September 24th, David C. Thomas was last seen alive with Jeffrey fucking Dahmer.
1: Man.
0: March 7th, Curtis Slaughter. that is it Slaughter? Stotter. Stotter. Oh, I was going say, that'd be a weird last name I, to <laughs> I, 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 I had to reread that one real quick.
1: I was like, wait.
0: Jeffrey Stotter, 18 years old. That's who he was last seen with. Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey picked him up at a bus stop. Claiming, oh yeah, I can get you to where you want to go. Offered him a drink, poisoned him, I mean, drugged him right there in the car, took him back to his apartment. And then, April 1991, uh roll Lindsay was last seen, with Jeffrey Dahmer. They met up the street and offered him money for sex. May 17th. Mind you, I was already born. <laughs> I was about to be one, bro, what the fuck? May seventeenth he met a fourteen year old. I think this is the one that really like stuck with the public. His name was I'm gonna butcher his name Connie's Santanfon. Santa yeah his last name i'm a, I'm gonna slow it down for you guys. Santa Sam. He was a Asian and black young gentleman. He was fourteen years old. And Jeffrey brought him back to his house and offered him beer, and yeah, but he met he he hung out with him before, but he didn't kill him right away, right? Reason he didn't kill him because he had killed his older brother before, prior to years prior, so he knew the family in a way. So then in. Uh, May 24th, Tony Hughes, last seen alive, again, with who? Jeffrey fucking Dahmer. Paid him $50 and told him to come to his house and pose for him. Pose for pictures.
1: God damn it. Those stupid pictures, man. Everyone, it felt like at that time, wanted to be a freaking model, huh?
0: I don't know about being a model, but it's just like, at, again, at that time, being gay wasn't accepted. So whenever you found somebody who wasn't interested in you and they gave you the time of day... And they also made you feel comfortable in a yeah. way. Yeah. You would pretty much do anything for that person, right? Mm-hmm. You would just expose yourself. And be like, oh, you want to take pictures for you to, as your, for your box or whatever. Yeah, cool. But not knowing the real reason behind it. Wow. And then we go into June. We, go, we got Matt Turner. Uh, Jeffrey met him at a gay parade. And then that was the end of that. Then we have Jeremiah Weinerberger. Twenty-three, seen alive with Jeffrey. Jeffrey, uh, um, met him and dismembered him, and put him in the freezer. Just kept his head really, for fellatio. If you guys don't know what fellatio means, Google it. It's it's pretty much oral sex. Yeah,
1: it's pretty,
0: pretty. Big. But yeah. I, I I didn't want to say oral sex, but fellatio. So in June uh June fifteen, Jeffrey was fired from Ambrosia Chocolate Co. That's where he was working at the yeah. time. Trying to you know be discreet, you know as discreet as possible. And then June sixth, July sixteenth, uh, he gets Joseph Bradford, twenty five, and they met at a bus stop again. Yeah. And Jeffrey offered him money to pose for nude pictures. You see the trend. There's a trend. And then July 22nd, not even six days, he met Tracy Edwards, 32, who escaped from Jeffrey Dahmer's with one handcuff at Dahmer's apartment. They found the photos and the dismemberment, right? But we're going to go back to...
1: How far back?
0: We're going to go back to the 14-year-old corner rack, right? So his story is, fast, is interesting to me, because Jeffrey already sexually harassed sexually molested his older brother, killed his older brother. but he escaped. The younger brother managed to escape Conrad. He managed to escape, and a young lady who was at the street at the, on the street at the time called 911 and said, "There's this young man. He looks like he's bleeding on his butt, and can we help him?" The cops came. They questioned Jeffrey for a quick minute. Being white in America is, I, I guess, is a gem.
1: It's a huge privilege. I mean, this is, I mean, this is one of the very big examples of white privilege. You know? mm-hmm.
0: And so the cops questioned him for a few minutes. He was like, "Yeah, that's just my young boyfriend," because he did look older than he was, mm-hmm. right? So they said, "Oh, he said that's my young boyfriend," and we uh, we were just fighting, and he tried to he he was mad and he tried to run away. Yeah. And, I was, and then, so they let him go. Little did they know, that kid would die, right? He would get killed by Jeffrey that same night. So, that's why we go back now. We go back to Tony Edwards. If it wasn't for Tony Edwards, who escaped because Jeffrey, he didn't seem, he didn't feel comfortable when he went into Jeffrey's apartment. And then when he started drinking, he felt weird. He woke up in handcuffs. He was able to escape with one handcuff on and go to the police. If it wasn't for that, Jeffrey Dahmer would still probably probably would have been active for a while. Yeah. One little slip up. One little slip up. And then so police were able to... There was a foul stench always coming from his apartment. Yeah. Right? The neighbors always could smell something because he kept the body, decomposing bodies and drums. Mm -hmm. And he kept a lot of pieces. He ate a lot of them. Yeah. This motherfucker was a cannibal, bro. He ate a lot of them. He felt that like he was a human eating them,
1: another human being.
0: Yep. He felt like if he ate them, they would always be with him.
1: Yeah. That's some... Cuckoo shit, man. That's some, like... I don't know, like witchcraft. You know what I mean?
0: That's some... Your mind is super fucked to the point where you need to go see Dr. Phil or Oprah. <laughs> kind of shit. But, you know... So then he was arrested. And... So, in January uh, 14th, Dahmer entered a plea of guilty, but insane in 15 of the 17 murders he claimed he had committed. Mm-hmm. By, uh, in February uh, 15th, 10 to 2 majority vote, Jeffrey Dahmer was found guilty, and his testimony of the self-defense was thrown out the window, obviously, shit, and then November 28, 1994. I was four years old. Exactly. November 28, 1994. I was four years old. Yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer was murdered in prison.
1: Yeah. And what I found interesting about the person who murdered him was Christopher Scarver. Mm-hmm. He was also serving life for murders that he committed. But um, he took it as a sign of that, like, he had a dream that God mm-hmm. came down, spoke to him. And told him to murder this man, Jeffrey Dahmer, in prison. Because those it was him, them two, and another prison mate that were uh, unsupervised for a little bit. I forgot where they exactly went into. But, yeah, uh, as they came out. Oh, I think it was in the weight room. Mm-hmm. Because he got smashed with a barbell, correct? Right. Yeah. So, you know, he used a barbell to not only kill Jeffrey Dahmer, but the other person that was there. And like I said, his reason for doing it was that God told him to. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know... Whether you believe it or not in religion or intuition, whatever you want to call it, the fact that he had a calling to murder this profound murderer, this serial killer, one of the more famous and more gruesome and disturbing serial killers that we have in human history, you know. I almost find it as, like, kind of just, you know what I mean? justice? Yeah, yeah, you know. Whatever spoke to him was, I think, a good calling, you know. He was a serial killer himself, too, though, so I can't say, like, you know that person is a good guy for killing Jeffrey Dahmer, but uh, he did one good thing at least.
0: Right, and, and what I find always find fascinating is like how um, a lot of people try to justify right his his dad try to justify him being a serial killer, like Jeffrey Dahmer's dad Lionel try mm-hmm. to justify oh he wasn't always like this he was this and that try to justify it, mm-hmm. but yet he was doing all this stuff a lot of the, a lot of the time under your own under your your nose or your mom's nose. He was doing it, and nobody really caught on to it, you know. But, you know, it's one of those things like, it's tough. It's tough to 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 imagine like somebody who could just literally walk around you, fit in into the regular society, and you don't you don't ever know who they are. Right. Whether you think you know who they are, but you never know who they are.
1: They're masters of disguise, you know. I mean, they could wear a, a cloak and be someone completely different, and. That's intimidating. And, you know, I think for a long time, you begin to, when you hear stories of this or Sam Little or of other people, right, that we've covered on this show, you almost feel like it's hard to trust people that you meet throughout the world. And um, I can only imagine, too, this is pre internet. This is all pre internet times, pre social media. I mean, cable was around, but not everyone had cable it was a very like luxurious thing to have cable. So when you're hearing the seven o'clock news and you're hearing about these people before even Jeffrey Dahmer has a name to the killer, right? You're hearing about, you know, all these names that you just listed and they're going missing, right? You know, you kind of become fearful of the community that you live in, um, the seventies and eighties and nineties in that, you know, community of Wisconsin. And I'm sure surrounding areas heard the news too. And so you're just kind of like, fuck, like what's going on. And, um, it's terrifying how one person can kind of put that much fear into uh,
0: a group of people. Mm-hmm. It is because one, you never really know who who it is that's causing those those kind of crimes, right? Because it could be back then, anytime a crime was committed, it was a, usually a minority that was blamed, right? right? It didn't matter even if it was a a, 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 a popularity, you know what? Well, I don't want to say popularity, fuck it. Even if it was a white folk. Committing those crimes, but at that time they looked at it as if like, oh, nine times out it's a black person, it's a hate crime, it's a hate crime, it's a hate crime, it's a hate crime. A hate crime. Yet a lot of black folks were being killed, a lot of gay black folks were being killed, right? Because those were the one, those were people he was attracted, he was attracted to, right? A lot of those names were really black folks. There weren't really many white folks. He liked black guys, and again, to to be. In the in term, in lack of a better term, a jungle fever relationship back then was still look, frowned upon, right? Mm-hmm. Because like everybody was looking at you, oh, you can't date your own race, you can't marry your own race, you can't blah, blah, blah. So it was frowned upon. So he found people who were vulnerable and he could take them back to his apartment and do certain things and get away with it yeah. as much as he could. And if it wasn't for that one person that escaped... It would, Jeffrey Dahmer probably would, still, would have been active for at least another 15 years.
1: At least. And that's kind of scary because, I mean, you said, too, you were, you know, alive in the 90s and I was born in 94 and we're all around that same age. And, you know, if he had gone on for 15 more years, I mean, who's to say, you know, us in the early 2000s would wouldn't have been a victim or he would have been around. Right. Um, had he made his way to California or something, you or know? Made his way to, he was in Florida, so yeah. maybe he
0: would have escaped and went to Florida. Sure, yeah,
1: you're right. You were in Florida at the time.
0: So So it's just like a lot of things to keep in mind. Like, you know, again, we talked about we talked about this in the last episode, how at any given time we have two to 300 active serial killers in the United States at any given time throughout the year. So if he's active and there's another serial killer, you know how hard it is to catch one killer, let alone two. It, unless they slip up, like, they literally right. fuck up to the point where they, they really get caught. But it's hard because, like, they could literally blend in. Like, if they know somebody else committed the same crimes, they could literally try to match it to them and just so they can get away with it. Right. So that's just, I don't know, it's just a lot to process. All I, all I could say is Jeffrey Dahmer was a fucked up individual. You know, he, uh, very fucked up he found his way to manipulate the system and get in he could have gotten away with a lot more if if somebody didn't really catch him doing you know if somebody didn't run away right. but it's safe to say that the building he lived in though has they, they tore it down because they didn't want it to be a monument to him so It was a monument. They didn't want it to be a monument, so they burned it. They tore it down. Um, so that thing, that area, is a park now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but they're not giving him the light. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of serial killers, are the same. Like you know, one of the ones we haven't covered yet, Ted Bundy, uh, John Wayne Gacy's of the world. They thought methodically, methodically about how they were going to commit their crimes and how to get away with it. You know. And we'll get into those when we get to those stories, but that's just my personal opinion. This one was tough. This one was hard because a lot of the victims were underage kids. They were like 14, 13-year-olds. And my heart goes out to those families, man. Like, mm-hmm. it's 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 a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Really hard pill to swallow. And I don't think there there is, like, even though we do drink wine or we talk about these crimes, a lot of times, like, There's not a a decent amount of wine that could make you not feel the pain that these people are going through. Right. You know, because, like, it's tough to be able to lose a loved one, a child, you know, to a monster. That's what he was, a Mm -hmm. monster, a cannibal, the monster of fucking... The cannibal of Milwaukee, or the Milwaukee cannibal, as they named him. The Milwaukee monster. That dude was a fucking monster, but you know what, I... I'm just gonna leave it at that, that man. Cause fuck Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, I hope fuck
1: Jeffrey Dahmer. All my homies hate Jeffrey Dahmer.
0: Hope he's in hell burning, and somebody's butt raping his ass right now. <laughs> but, um, I don't con—I don't really condone violence, but I'm hoping some something's happening to him. I hope Hitler is fucking annihilating him. Um, but with that being said, man, know what you got for the folks.
1: As always, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, make sure you follow the podcast, whatever platform you're on or listening on if you're on Instagram follow us at a sip of crime at a of crime and if you'd like to you know feel free to message the account if you hear of a different criminal story it doesn't have to all be serial killers um, if you find an interesting crime that you want to hear us talk about that we haven't done already feel free to shoot us a message you know I think that's a cool way to interact with a fan so we can give you the listener a story that you want to hear about and
0: yeah and just FYI A live episode is coming soon. We're going to be recording an episode live for you guys. So you guys get to see our expressions and get to see how, you know, we we, we talk to each other. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, man, me and this guy right here, like, our our, our communication is out of this world. So the way we connect with one another when we talk about these things, because, like, we both relate to them in, in different ways, but at the same time in the same ways. You know? So... A live episode is going to be coming soon, so be on the lookout for that. We're going to record one live, and we're going to post it that same day. So just give y'all a heads up. Hell yeah. Um, but with that being said, man, y'all know the drill. Wash your hands, wash your ass, be aware of your surroundings, and know who you giving your time to. That's very important. Mm-hmm. Know who you're giving your time to. And make sure somebody has your location at all times, Ooh. especially with technology the, being the way it is. That's a good one. Make sure everybody, somebody, somebody you trust has your location at all times. But y'all, y'all know where we are gonna go with this, man. We love y'all. We you know, we wouldn't want nothing less for y'all. So we'll catch y'all on the flip end on this, man. We love again, love y'all. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the key term. We love y'all. We want y'all to be safe. So with that being said, we out. Peace. Peace.